Are we in a death spiral of communist socialism or just an authoritarian world dictatorship brought on with the World Economic Forum and help from the Build Back Better plan here in the U.S.? We'll get into all this stuff and many more to start out our new year. Not going to be better, folks. Not going to be better. We'll get this started in just a moment. So if you've been listening to my podcast, there is the Great Reset thing that I've talked about. Um, I was kind of turned on to it through Glenn Beck. I know some people are like, oh, Glenn Beck, this is a bunch of conspiracy theory. Well, the problem is, is that you can go and actually look this stuff up yourself, not just go with the left stream media main uh Let's push the everything that we don't agree with or we're not talking about is a conspiracy theory. Well, if you actually go and look at the World Economic Forum, they tell you, and that's exactly what he was saying. It's like they're telling us exactly what they want to do right here. I mean, it's all over the Internet. You can go go to their site and listen to them say it. Well, he's got another special up now. And I don't care where you're at on the spectrum, left, right, center, whatever. You need to go and watch his special on Fauci. It's called FauciLiedSpecial.com. It's uh, hopefully still on YouTube. Supposedly when he was doing it right towards the end of it, Facebook pulled it off of Facebook. So, you know, because they're all in on this, so it doesn't go with our... uh, NIH, Fauci, you know, whatever Fauci says is his rule of law, you know, it's like divine coming from God type mentality from the mainstream news sources. I, I can't even call them news sources anymore because they're not even news. They're a bunch of opinion pundits saying that all these right wingers are, you know, going to kill us all because they won't get the shot. Well, if you watch this special, He puts together all the people involved in this from clear back in the early, early 2000s. And then he pieces it all together, the players uh, and the public-private partnership between the NIH and Moderna from like back in 2002 or 2012. I don't remember exactly. You'd have to... Like I say, you got to watch the special. It's about a two-hour special, so block out some time to watch it. But it definitely puts a lot of things that you're seeing into perspective. It is FauciLiedSpecial.com, Crimes or Cover-Up. And it's uh, you can it'll probably take you to the YouTube link. But also, in this public-private partnership, that uh, so Moderna and the NIH kind of entered into in 2014, I think is how his timeline. And he's got documents on all of this stuff that he talks about. You can go to www.blazetvspecial.com and it has a link. You put in your email address, it'll send you 
the links to where they found all these documents throughout, you know, uh, FOIA requests, different sites that are actually government websites. Uh, one of them I, I clicked on, it goes to the usaspending.gov. So this is their own site, but that this just has it down to where you you can it'll take you right to what he's talking about in there about the documents they found. And he said a lot of this stuff is hidden there is is hidden in spending bills and different things like that. So uh this one I think was hidden in a hurricane bill back in like 2014 or something like that. Clear, you know, 100 and some odd pages in. Uh, that was this public-private partnership with Moderna and the NIH. Um, there was some other kind of agreement. Like to, you'd have to watch the special because it's it's almost mind-boggling to try and keep up with what's going on with all the people them trying to cover stuff up. I mean, like I say, go watch it. Is well worth it. It puts a lot of stuff in perspective. Um, but anyway, so this one at the usaspending.gov takes you to a project, a project grant. So this is awarding agency, Department of Health and Human Services. The recipient, I don't know if you've heard this name before, Eco Health Alliance. And then it is uh, to go from, so the start date of this program. Um, was for allergy and infectious diseases research. If you click on the link there, it says more about this program. Uh, to assist public and private nonprofit institutions and individuals to establish, expand, and improve biomedical research and research training in infectious diseases and related areas. To conduct to, to conduct developmental research, produce and test research materials to assist public, private, and commercial institutions to conduct developmental research, produce and test research materials to provide research services as required by the agency for programs in infectious diseases and controlling disease caused by infections or parasitic agents, allergic and immunologic, Im immunologic diseases and related areas, Projects range from studies of microbial physiology and antigen structure to collaborative trials of experimental drugs and vaccines. Now, did you hear the date that I said this started? So this started in 2014. Now, the funnier thing is, too, is if you start looking. Uh, so obligated amount ends up being a $3.7 million project grant. So if you scroll down through it, so like I say, starting date, June 1st, 2014. End date, June 30th, 2026. So this is still an ongoing paying out this money. The description says, understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. Hmm. That's weird. So if you look also down through the uh, numbers here. Um, let's see. Where did I see it? Uh, da -da 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 -da. Okay, here it is. So the award history. 
So, you know, I don't know if everybody remembers, but at the first of the pandemic, when it was like we first kind of said, okay, it's it's here, we need to start doing something about it. Um, this one is from September 14th. Oh, wait, July. What the heck? Where is it? Nope, here it is. Okay, so 527, what is that? May, May 27th, 2014. Understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. So there's they've been studying these bat coronaviruses for quite a while. But there is also, let's see, where was it? Eco still this the Eco Health Alliance was this. Basically, the middleman. I think his name was Steve Dasick or something like that. It's kind of the main guy there, the go through. So he was, though, in turn taking this money and sending it to the Wuhan lab. So if you go to the sub award, so it goes transi- transaction history, shows these uh, transactions that are going across, it's a continuation of their 20 from 2014 out understanding the risk of back coronavirus emergency. But if you go to the second category here, that says sub awards, then it goes the recipient name, Wuhan university school of public health, Wuhan Institute of virology, Chinese Academy of sciences, and so on and so on. It's all the Wuhan. Uh, But you know, if you remember, you couldn't talk about the lab leak. Why? Because during that time, people were freaking out that probably thinking they were going to go to jail for something they were technically probably not supposed to be doing. But they were filtering money through EcoHealth Alliance to go to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study these coronaviruses. Because, who knows, maybe in their mind they thought, oh... If we can, you know, find out if these things can jump from animals to humans, we can create a vaccine that we can sell to, you know, everybody that needs one. But the weird thing is, is how do we have a public-private partnership with Moderna, you know, one of the makers of the, the vaccine, with the NIH. And like I say, if you watch if you watch the special, it's well worth the two hours. Stuff starts coming, pieces start being coming together in your mind, and you're like, Oh, okay, so that makes a lot of sense why you know the things Fauci has said, um, you know, calling Rand Paul a liar about you know the definition of gain of function. Uh, pretty much because I think Fauci is a fraud in a lot of ways. He actually, now here's one other interesting fact. He actually makes more money than anybody else in the government. Last uh, thing I seen said he makes $432,000. Last time I checked, the President of the United States only makes 400000 a year. Not including side gigs where they get dirty money, but that's a different story. So anyways, 
Fauci lied special.com crimes or cover up. Public private partnership. It goes through all that stuff. Makes it starts making everything into perspective on where we're at today. And the timelines of when a lot of this stuff started from back in the early 2000s. So if this, you know, whether, like say, we can still debate whether or not this virus came from the lab because China's not going to admit any of that stuff, you know, if they were doing that stuff there because then it, you know, implicates them as being basically killing all these people around the world because they were, you know, messing with stuff they probably shouldn't have been messing with. But the uh, the long-term effects of this, since we're now still seeing now Omicron, I mean, everybody's, I think, getting just tired of this. And people like me are just getting tired of the misinformation, which is funny because... Our other big corporations like Facebook, Google, and all them places that are all in on the narrative are either deleting stuff, suppressing its view of other, you know, so people can't see it from certain places, they can't even find it, or just outright banning you off of their platforms. These platforms that are supposed to be free speech platforms, especially uh, Twitter, now that uh, Jack Dorsey's gone. But, I mean, he was there when they banned President Trump at the time. And the actual official White House account banned. No more. The uh, latest one, uh, among a bunch of others, of people that have questioned anything to do with this virus and have been banned, and basically have to go on other platforms that, you know, hopefully their followers followed them over there, because their narrative didn't fit Fauci's narrative, and the CDC's, because you're starting to get all these people in there that are just trying to make this all about government control. So we got a couple stories here. One is from... Uh, Let's see, this is the Epic Times. This is from today. FDA authorizes Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine booster for children 12 to 15. The funny thing about this whole thing through the whole start of this is kids don't really have any adverse effects with this stuff. Even, Even the worst coronavirus that was killing more or less the older generations. Which still isn't good, but... The forced vaccination of our kids that don't really need it. And if you don't pay attention to the mainstream news and get your news sources from other places, you can start piecing together that, hey, look, you know, these cruise lines that were requiring you to be vaccinated before you could get on their ships are having huge outbreaks of coronavirus. So you tell me that taking that shot is actually doing anything. Okay, it might make the symptoms more mild, but you're still catching the virus. It's not doing what they told us it was going to do. It's basically, uh, I'd have to agree with Glenn Beck on this one, it's a therapeutic 
not a vaccine. But, you know, they changed the definition of what vaccine is now, you know, to cover health. It covers your health. Doesn't make your body create immunity. So now you can you kind of understand what the game is. But this one, uh, so this one, like I say, is from today. The FDA authorizes Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine booster for children 12 to 15. The age group that doesn't need this stuff. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Monday authorized a booster shot of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for children 12 to 15. The agency said that its scientists determined the booster's benefits, including bolstering protection against virus infection, outweigh its potential risks in the population. Um, but, you know, the CDC, I don't know if I really trust them anymore because all these, all these people that are supposed to be in these positions of power that claim to be holding your health in their best interests, I don't think that's exactly what they're doing, if you know what I mean. Reviewers analyzed data from Israel, one of the most vaccinated countries in the world, to reach the conclusion. The data set from Israel included information on more than 6,300 children, 12 to 15, who received a booster dose. The data shows there are no new safety concerns following a booster in this population. There were no new cases of myocarditis or pericarditis reported to date in these individuals, the FDA said in a statement. Myocarditis and pericarditis are two forms of heart inflammation seen at much higher than expected rates among young people particularly young men, following vaccination with the Pfizer or Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. The risk of heart inflammation is actually higher from the vaccines than from COVID-19 itself in young persons, according to some studies. One study published last month found post-booster inflammation was more prevalent than post-COVID inflammation. The FDA did not post any documents yet on the decision, which came without consulting its expert vaccine advisory panel. So like I say, they're politicized. They're just doing this for political gain. That's it. It's not for your health. So I wish more people would just say no more. You know, I'm going to start dealing with my private doctor and what they're telling me on my own health because they're going to know you better than some, you know, bureaucrat at the CDC. Agency also bypassed the panel in authorizing boosters for 16 and 17-year-olds and all 18 and older, drawing criticism from some panel members and former FDA officials. The FDA and booster supporters say additional shots will help restore protection against infection that's waned against the Omicron variant of the CCP virus, which causes COVID-19. I don't know why they worded it that way. Whatever. Uh, critics, though, note that Omicron manifests with zero or few symptoms for most who contract it, especially young, healthy people. Also on Monday, the agency said children aged 5 to 11 who are deemed in immunocompromised can get a booster shot of Pfizer vaccine. Now, I mean, being immunocompromised, then at that at that point, you've probably just got to make a 50-50 chance. Okay, is it going to be worse to catch this with whatever comorbidity you have or take the chances with the vaccine? I mean, that's or therapeutic, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, you know, I'd be put in that category of anti-vaxxer. 
unlike older Americans who must wait at least five months until after their primary series, the youngest age group can get a booster as soon as one month later. I mean, basically, I said this from the beginning. It's an experimental, uh, I'll do air quotes, vaccine that you, the world population is essentially the guinea pig. They can tell you whatever they want to get you to believe that, oh, no, we've done all these you know, case studies, blah, blah, blah. You are the case study. All right, it goes on. Based on the FDA's assessment of currently available data, a booster dose of the currently authorized vaccines may help provide better protection against both the Delta and Omicron variants. In particular, the Omicron variant appears to be slightly more resistant to the antibody levels produced in response to the primary series doses from the current vaccines. Dr. Peter Marks, director of the FDA's Center for, for Biologics Evaluation and Research, said in a statement, With this in mind, the FDA has extended the range of individuals eligible to receive a booster, shortened the length of time between the completion of the Pfizer primary series for individuals to receive a booster, and is authorizing a third protective vaccine dose for some of our youngest and most vulnerable individuals, he added. Oh, he really cares about your children. So, anyways, like I say, this isn't, I don't think, about your health because these uh, Pfizer and Modernas are making billions of dollars. And however, how does that work if Moderna and the government, our federal government, have a public-private partnership? So, I mean, does that mean they'll pay you to take the shot? Oh, I don't think anybody's got paid to take it. But So how does that work? If you're 50-50 with the government, correct, on this, the development of these vaccines and the whatever the patents on the vaccines or however it worked, I think, I can't remember, like I said, it's in the special. How does that work if you're 50-50 co-owner of this technology? But we, the taxpayers, are paying for it. Kind of a weird predicament. And with that, I'm going to take a quick break here. I'm going to pull up my other articles I want to go over. Before I really get into my rant. <laughs> I know you guys are all super excited about that. Can't wait, can you? But it's important. Because the things we keep seeing are just, I, I get it. If you're like me, you want the government to stay the hell out of your lives, let's go on about doing our business and have the freedom to do that stuff without the government right in your back pocket, you know, basically robbing you. And then telling you what you can and can't do because of a virus. That, you know, 90, what they said, at least 90, uh, I can safely say at least 95% plus people have gotten through and are fine. So with that, I'll be back in just a moment.
All right, for this second part of this, let's get back real quick. I found the article about uh, the Twitter banning stuff. So the latest one was the rep Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Republican from Georgia. This article was from the second. So Twitter permanently suspends rep Marjorie Taylor Greene's account. Twitter permanently suspended the personal account of Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene on January 2nd, claiming that she was posting false information relating to the COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, We permanently suspended Marjorie Taylor Greene for repeated violations of our COVID-19 misinformation policy, a Twitter spokesperson said in a statement to media outlets, repeating a boilerplate, mes- boilerplate message that, is, that has offered after... Oh that it has offered after other recent suspensions were handed down. Quote, we've been clear that per our strike system for this policy, we will permanently suspend accounts for repeated violations of the policy. Representatives for Twitter and Green's office didn't respond to requests for comment by press time. It's not clear which of Green's posts drew the ire of Twitter on January 2nd, and Twitter didn't elaborate on the alleged misinformation that Green had posted. Quote, accounts suspended. Twitter suspends accounts which violate the Twitter rules, unquote. Her page now reads, Green's House of Representatives account is still online. Green responded to Twitter's suspension on Getter, a social media platform started by Jason Miller, a former advisor to President Donald Trump. Quote, when Maxine Waters can go to the streets and threaten violence on Twitter, Kamala and Alon can bail out rioters on Twitter, and Chief Spokesman for Terrorism, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, can tweet morning Soleimani, but I get suspended for tweeting Vare's statistics. Twitter is an enemy to America and can't handle the truth, unquote. Green wrote on the platform, quote, that's fine, I'll show America we don't need them, and it's time to defeat our enemies. Green was referring to Vare's, or the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which people use to report adverse events following COVID-19 vaccination. Her ban comes after a year, oh, about a year after Twitter suspended Trump's account following the January 6, 2021 Capitol breach incident. Green issued an additional statement following her ban. Quote, social media platforms can't stop the truth from being spread far and wide, unquote. She wrote, big tech can't stop the truth. Communist Democrats can't stop the truth. I stand with the truth and the people we will overcome, unquote. Green's ban suggests that Twitter is taking a more hardline stance against users who post COVID-19 or vaccine information that runs contrary to official narratives. Uh, recently, prominent mRNA technology contributor Dr. Robert Malone told the Epic Times that Twitter suspended his account which had more than 500,000 followers. Malone had become a prominent skeptic of mandatory vaccines among children. Quote, today it did. Over half a million followers gone in a blink of an eye. That means I must have been on the mark, so to speak, over the target, Malone wrote on Substack. It also means we lost a critical component in our fight to stop these vaccines being mandated for children and to stop the corruption in our governments, as well as the medical industrial complex and pharmaceutical industries. Uh, and plus other, there's a Berenstein guy, or Berenstein, something like that. He was also another one that was, uh, critical of vaccines because he was going through all the data and just calling it out for what he was seeing in the data. Nope. Banned. 
misinformation. Um, another one is. Oh, yeah. So another article is Twitter suspending media sites account for posting video of congressmen criticizing Big Pharma. So, I mean, you can't even you can't criticize the science. <laughs> That's what you would say. <laughs> so, media company Grabian News has been suspended by Twitter for posting a video of a U.S. congressman criticizing pharmaceutical corporations, its founder said. Grabian founder Tom Elliott wrote on Twitter on December 31st that Grabian was suspended for citing comments by Rep. Andy Biggs about COVID-19 treatments. Uh, quote, Big Pharma won't consider therapeutics like HCQ or ivermectin because of economic interest, the post reads. It had an attached link to a video containing the congressman's comments. Elliott included a screenshot statement from Twitter which sent him a boilerplate message that Grabian was suspended for violating the policy on spreading misleading and potentially so you're spreading the misleading and potentially harmful information related to COVID-19 which Elliot described as next level Twitter absurdity and I mean realistically I've said it before people need to just get off Twitter it's just a left-wing communist cesspool anymore uh pretty much a platform of the state that so to speak Obviously, in this case, quoted an, quoting an elected leader on an issue that matters to everyone is important and newsworthy, regardless of whether you agree, Elliot said. And I can't help but add that his basic point was once mainstream among progressives. I've appealed making this point. However, I have no confidence in Twitter doing the right thing and acknowledging this tweet did not violate its terms and conditions. Twitter officials didn't respond to an Epic Times request for comment by press time. Of course not. The suspension appears to suggest Twitter is aiming to crack down on COVID-19 or vaccine-related posts and content that run contrary to mainstream views on the matter. Dr. Robert Malone, who helped develop the mRNA vaccine technology, was suspended last week for allegedly violating Twitter's terms and conditions. And then goes on about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, like I say, this is the BBB or the build the back better plan, which is basically just a, an offshoot of the great reset plan. So yeah, Alex Berenson, that's the guy's name. <laughs> I don't know what I, what I just said. He was, the, he was the New York times, the former New York times journalist. Uh, he's actually filed a lawsuit against Twitter. I don't know how that's going to go, depending on what court that ends up in and all the stupid protections that we give these platforms. Um, but I think we need the willpower to fix the suppression of information. It's like the more information that's out there, I mean, you can... Is flat earth people, is that misinformation? They all still have a platform. I mean, I don't see why you'd take them down. I think they're pretty silly. It's pretty funny, you know, fun to watch them. Uh, even knowing the, the earth's round. <laughs> it's not flat, but hey, you know, it's their perspective on things. <laughs> uh, so I, 
I don't see them using misinformation. It's selective misinformation from to them. Because there's a lot of things you could say are misinformation, but they leave them up. So I don't know. That was pretty. <laughs> uh, but. Oh, so here here was another one, too. Um, I don't know if this has anything to do with like the COVID camps that we were seeing in Australia or not. But this is uh, Fauci. CDC may add negative COVID-19 tests to quarantine guidelines. White House pandemic advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci said federal health officials are considering amending COVID-19 isolation guidance for people who test positive after pushback. Fauci told ABC News on Sunday that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is now evaluating a recent rule for revision that allows people who tested positive to leave if they haven't received a negative COVID-19 test. The CDC, in a revision last week, said that it shortened the COVID-19 isolation time from 10 days to 5 days for asymptomatic patients. For the next 5 days, the health agency now recommends that those asymptomatic people wear a mask around others at all times because masks do so much. There has been some concern about why we don't ask people at that five-day period to get tested. That is something that is now under consideration, Fauci said. The CDC is very well aware that there has been some pushback about that, he added. Fauci added that when looking at it again, there may be an option in that, that testing could be a part of that, and I think we're going to be hearing more about that in the next day or so from the CDC. If the CDC issues another major revision of its quarantine guidance, it's likely to spur more questions about the Federal Health Agency, which has faced criticism about its messaging since Director Rochelle Walensky took over earlier this year. She's another one of them bureaucrats, not really a person that knows what the hell they're doing. Walensky is an in, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal several months ago admitted that she is struggling with communicating to the American public about the agency's guidelines amid the pandemic. It's because she's a freaking... She's a bureaucrat, and she's going to do whatever people tell her to say. Uh, and probably is not qualified for the job, but hey, aren't much of any of them really qualified for their jobs? <laughs> In a separate interview on Sunday with CNN, Fauci attempted to clarify the rules, saying that there's no doubt that you do want people to get to get people out into the workplace if they are without symptoms. In the second half of a 10-day period, which would normally be a 10-day isolation period, the likelihood of transmissibility is considerably lower, Fauci said. With the rule change, I myself feel that that's a reasonable thing to do, he added. There's a big picture of trying to do it in a way that is scientifically sound, but that also gets people back to work, he continued. The CDC is doing their very best in trying to get the right balance of getting people back, but doing it on a solid scientific basis what does that even mean these days because like i say the bureaucracy is hard at work spending our money and for the most part if they if they're wanting to get people back to work it's so they can't sit around on the internet and actually find out that these people are full of crap <laughs> that's probably what they're scared of <laughs> uh, anyways i'm not going to go through the rest of this article but, in this world, there is 
some kind of hope. And that is that in, well, people are at least pushing back. So this is another story from yesterday. Police use dogs as thousands protest against the Dutch COVID-19 lockdowns. People are getting tired of the government overreach. Not, not, no, mostly Europeans. I got to give it to them because they they actually will go out and protest this stuff. We just sit around and take it and just sit around quietly. We don't do anything about it. Or if we do, it's in very small, minor things. They'll, they'll go out and protest this stuff for days and weeks sometimes, depending on what it is. Thousands of people in the Netherlands, capital of Amsterdam, gathered Sunday to demonstrate against the Dutch government's COVID-19 lockdown measures before police cracked down. It came after Amsterdam Mayor Femke Halsingme, 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 I don't know, issued an emergency ordinance giving more police to clear the Central Museum Square after the protesters violated the city's ban on public gatherings amid an increase in COVID-19 cases. The protest, you know, and how many of those people probably technically have natural immunity. That's what I'd like to know. Or how many of them have had the, already had the vaccine? This is just another, you know, not just here in the U.S. that we're getting all of this uh, government power grab overreach stuff. Um, let's see. So it goes on. Protesters also walked along a main thoroughfare in the capital city playing music and holding yellow umbrellas in a sign of opposition to the government restrictions. Some participants had a banner that said, Less repression, more care, while a group in white masks and white overalls held up signs reading, It's not about a virus, it's about control. Another held a Trump 2024 flag. That's pretty crazy. Uh, what is it about these other countries, you know? I mean, we keep hearing here in America that, you know, America's this colonizing devil people that are white that, you know, created this country and it's not really a legit country, but we're still the beacon to other countries of the world that want freedom. But we're just sitting here on our hands just waiting for it to be gone. Photos and video footage uploaded online showed what appeared to be police releasing dogs on anti-mandate protesters. Netherlands authorities deployed water cannons, footage showed, as other videos appeared to show alleged Dutch army veterans clashing with police. Before police moved in, other footage showed that several thousand people attended the protests on Sunday. Outside the Netherlands, demonstrators in Germany last week clashed with police in the eastern portion of the country over new COVID-19-related restrictions. At least 23 people now face criminal charges for protesting their government. Imagine that happening, huh? In Holland, gatherings of more than two people are prohibited under the current set of restrictions. Like other European countries, the Netherlands imposed the measures due to the Omicron variant spread, although studies and even some U.S. health officials have said the strain presents milder symptoms and far fewer hospitalizations. So, okay, so this article keeps going on here. On December 19th, the Netherlands went into sudden lockdown as the government ordered the shuttering of all stores except for those it deemed essential. Oh, that don't sound familiar, does it? Restaurants, hairdressers, gyms, museums, and other public places were also closed until at least January 14th, the government ordered. 
it's funny how these governments, you know, deem who is essential and not essential. So I don't know. The lockdown orders come despite studies that suggest the Omicron variant, while highly contagious, presents significantly less severe disease than the Delta variant. The hospitalization rate in the United States is also comparatively lower now than during previous COVID-19 surges, said Senator for Disease Control Director Rochelle Walensky last week. So there you have it. You know, at least some other people in other countries are starting to push back on this crap too. But it's it's the same thing here. It's like if people aren't getting themselves informed about what's really going on, quit watching the mainstream news sources because I'm sure it's the same in those countries. They're just feeding you the line that the government wants you to step in line with. And don't ask questions. Just do as you're told. That type of mentality from the governments. But it's good to see that some of these other countries are starting to stand up. Um, let's see. I got one more short one here. This one's also from yesterday. Um, statistics show America's education system is failing. CRT are in lower expectation equals fewer literate graduates, expert says. Um, like I've said over and over, our education system is going farther to the left. They're more worried about creating activists than getting kids to think critically. Because if they think critically, they can challenge these professors and these teachers, you know, which they don't like, because that's how they've been taught and how to become a teacher and assert their so-called knowledge, I guess. But this article says, according to government statistics, America's education system is failing. I think we've known that for decades. According to one expert, lower expectations and the shift in focus from academic excellence in mathematics, science, reading, and history and history toward the implementation of social constructs like critical race theory equals fewer literate graduates. Public records and other evidence show that state level and some local education officials are no longer focused on maintaining high academic standards and providing the best public education possible to students. Wait a minute. So if you're no longer focused on maintaining high academic standards, how are you providing the best public education possible to students? (laughs) That's the thing. If you're not challenging kids' minds, they're just going to get lazy. And I mean, like to say, that's that's a perfect plan for indoctrination, because the lazier the kids are, you can feed them any kind of bullcrap you want, and they're going to absorb it. They're not going to think critically and challenge anything, ask questions about anything. It's like, oh, teacher said it, that must be true. So that's your knowledge, new knowledge, whatever the teacher told you. Instead of asking questions about what the teachers teaching them and saying, does it, you know, what is a challenge to this or what is a why to this? Or, you know, they're not doing that anymore and haven't been for a while. And then when you have failing schools, because of a lot of other issues as well that can tie into those, you dumb all of the kids down. So it doesn't look like it's just a few, you know, these select areas that the schools are failing. If everybody looks as dumb as the rest of the schools, then everything's all good because it looks good on paper. They're not getting any smarter. They're not learning anything. 
but they're absorbing the propaganda. A lot of these newer teachers come, not all of them, but a lot of them coming into it are taught by leftist professors, and they take that ideology on, and you're starting to see it more and more if you actually look for it in all the schools, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, even right here in the state. But anyways, I don't think... I don't know why the dog's got to look out the window. That's where I'm going to beat that thing. Um, let's see. So, oh, okay. Where was I here? Um, Liv Fine wrote in her September 2021 report regarding the lowering of academic standards by school officials in Washington State as they implement CRT. Instead, a concern for learning has been replaced by an aggressive political agenda designed to instill doubt mental pain, and low expectations in students. This race-centered agenda also seeks to divide children from teachers, their own communities, and from each other. Uh, that's why some of these schools are still requiring these kids to wear masks. And there has been studies that have proven that that has been lowering these kids' IQs and their attention spans. It's not about health, people. It's not about health. Uh, let's see. So this harmful trend can only be resolved through policies that return high quality academic standards to public education and well-funded and supportive education choice programs that allow families to access alternatives services to meet the learning needs of all children. Finn, a former ad adjunct scholar now serving as director of the center for education at Washington policy center has been anal analyzing education policy for the past 13 years. Her research suggests the unmistakable decline in the literacy of America's students from 4th to 12th grade is a direct result of the shift from academic excellence towards social constructs such as CRT. Internationally, we do pretty well at the 4th grade, Finn told the Epic Times, but we decline from there. Recent statistics support her claim. Government data for 2019 shows the average 4th grader has a 41% proficiency level in mathematics, by the 8th grade, the proficiency level drops to 34%. By the 12th grade, American students have an average math proficiency level of only 24%. In reading, 4th graders have an average proficiency rate of 35%. By 8th grade, the proficiency level drops to 34%. And by the 12th grade, America's average student shows only a slight proficiency improvement to 37%. In writing, the proficiency levels are 28% in 4th grade, with 8th and 12th graders sharing a score of 27%. America's students fare worse in science, with 4th graders having only a 36% proficiency, 8th graders dropping to 35, 12th graders only have a 22 uh, proficiency in science. The worst scores come in history, with 4th graders starting out with only 20% proficiency and dropping to 15% by the 8th grade. By grade 12, American students have a paltry 12% proficiency level in history. So, if you have a society that doesn't know anything, and they're being taught false history, um... These people are easier to control because they're not going to question anything. And I've said this in numerous other episodes. Yuri Bezmanov you know, laid this all out. 
Um, let's see. Shortage of qualified teachers. That's probably part of it too. I mean, it's just common core didn't help any either. So yeah, here. Okay. Finn suggests another reason why the system doesn't correct itself is that the education system is a monopoly run by the government and there's no way to hold the system accountable for results. We have tried for 40 years since the report during the Reagan years, a nation at risk, revealed we, are, we were in real trouble in our education system, Finn said. Since then, Finn said other top-down efforts like Common Core, pushed by the Obama administration, also failed. Rather than improving education, the testing standards set by Common Core actually furthered illiteracy because those standards were based on good intentions and policies to make everyone feel good, but they failed because it's based on a government monopoly system that ultimately degrades the quality of education. And you're lowering the academic achievement bar. And that's through even through college. I mean, colleges were giving kids days off because they're emotionally distraught about something or the other. Um, a status quo system. I mean, this this is a pretty good article. It goes on for uh, quite a while here with a lot of good information. So this is on the Epic Times. Um, statistics. So the article's headline is Statistics Show America's Education System is Failing. Um, about out of time for this segment. So I'm going to take a break because I still got plenty more to say. Hope you'll stick around and listen to me rant some more because only going to get better, folks. Only going to get better. Only on this podcast. In other news, Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine, Ghislaine, however you say her name. The way it's spelled doesn't make any sense. But anyways, that was a former girlfriend of Jeffrey Epstein who, by the way, did not kill himself. And just to get it out there, she did not commit suicide either. <laughs> Was charged the other day with five of the six charges that they brought upon her. I don't know what the one that they didn't charge her with was. Um, my question to all this is, why was our press, the mainstream media, once again, I hate calling them that, but at least that way you know who I'm talking about. Uh, why were they not more interested in this case? Uh, you know, and how come there wasn't a whole lot of information that we got out of that trial? I mean, it's like they, there must have been too many people, higher ups, that were dirty. And had she and Jeffrey probably have major dirt on them that they just cannot let out. So if that's the case, then your state-run media don't want to have any part of it because then that would in implement or in what's the word I'm looking for? Basically puts them in a, a position that they uh, probably have dirty people in their uppers. CEOs and stuff too. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? I mean, supposedly there was some black book of all these contacts and stuff that you know none of us could see. Again, you know, all this information is like so hush hush. Uh, you know, 
we'd seen the flight manifest and some of the people that had been on that flight. Yes, including Donald Trump. Uh, which is the one thing that these media sites have put their focus on. Because there was a picture of Donald Trump with Jeffrey Epstein. And everybody that knows Jeffrey Epstein and kind of the business he was in uh, wants to wants to pin that stuff on people. The problem is, I think if they go down that road too far, they might open up a can of worms that's going to implicate a lot of other people. And I think maybe that's why they're probably just not pushing that one too far. <laughs> because we knew way, way back there was that uh, one lady reporter, I don't even, I think it was like she worked for ABC, maybe still does, I don't know, that had the hot take of her being all ticked off that she had this story and the upper people decided they did not want to let her run that story. Why? Why would they not want that story out? I think this was like clear back when, oh, geez, before he was arrested or maybe right after the first time he was arrested. And she had a bunch of dirt on that story of him. And then when I think he was arrested the second time and everything else kind of came out, she was pissed that she had this story years before. So, I don't know, I guess I guess they want to, you know, be the state-run media that, you know, they can lie to you, but you can't lie to them type uh, mantra. Oh, let's see, I had to write some of this stuff down because there's just so much crap going on. Part of it is, you know, how much of that case are we never going to know? Because, you know, there at one time there was a uh, word that Prince Henry was possibly involved in this scandal. And I think there was some uh, harsh words from the Queen, and pretty much that story dropped. Dropped like it was hot. So, as far as I've understood, um, the prosecution decided not to call out certain names uh, even even after the judge said they were not redacted from certain documents or something. So what what who who or what is pushing the prosecution not to call people to testify that were was on on some list they had. And the judge told the prosecutor they could call these names. They weren't redacted out of the documents and then they chose not to but then the judge sealed the case so no one's going to be able to look into it any further now that it's over um i heard rumors that comey's you know ex fbi head of fbi uh comey his daughter was the prosecutor so i don't know if that had something to do with it i don't know i mean a lot of funny stuff going on over there in uh, washington these days but further down the list, talked about the uh, FBI informants that have infiltrated into these so-called militia groups. So this has obviously been going on for a while before the 2020 elections took place. 
And it seems more and more like the, the plot was to make it look like all these right winger extremists and stuff, you know, we're doing all this stuff and they were Donald Trump supporters. And I, I really starting to look more and more like it was just a big, like a setup to the January 6th deal. Cause we had the, uh, I think the ones that have kind of been implicated in some of these plots were the three percenters, oath keepers, the proud boys, and how often do you see the Proud Boys in there? Uh, I think it comes to find out that there's actually a bunch of FBI informants in that group as well. Um, so the the Governor Whitmer kidnapping plot that involved the Wolverine Watchmen, which was some essentially a small group of guys in uh, Michigan that were during the the heavy-handed lockdowns of Governor Whitmer, were online chatting about they didn't like the lockdowns and it was an overreach, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually these informants started infiltrating into the group and then they started getting together and throwing, throwing a plot together. Well, now that it's finally come to a court... It looks like it's going to get thrown out on the basis of entrapment, considering there was really no talk of any of this stuff going on until these individuals were all kind of infiltrated into this Wolverine Watchman group. And when you have more FBI informants in this group than the actual people that were being charged with the conspiracy to kidnap the governor, uh, yeah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> uh, so, it, realistically, was this the beginning of a bigger plot by corrupt individuals in the FBI and using its informants into all these militia groups to, you know, cause discourse? I don't know. You know, I mean, there's there was so much negative contrast towards Donald Trump that I don't even know if it was necessarily because it was just a weird transition that before he ran for president everybody wanted to be like him I mean he was in movies he was in everybody's rap songs and stuff like that and then all of a sudden there was like a switch that got flicked on as soon as he announced he was going to run for president uh, you know, and some of the critical things he said against Barack Obama, that it was like there was an all-out war against Donald Trump to keep him out of office. Now, what all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's gone on, who knows. But it seems like there was a lot of anti-Trump congressional people, even you know, a lot in the Democrat Party, even quite a, few, a good handful of them in the Republican Party that were anti-Trump. I'd be really curious to find out if down the road some more information comes out about all this, if if any people keep even looking into it, that hopefully we can find out what really kind of conspired. Because it seemed like a really big setup. Because as far as I understood, was there were 
offers for more security at the Capitol on January 6th that were not acted on. And also, why can the public not see the thousands of hours supposedly of video from inside and around the Capitol that's being withheld by the Capitol Police? I mean, if you ask me, that means you're hiding stuff. Because everybody knows stuff goes viral. Why were there personal videos of Capitol Police moving barricades and letting people onto the Capitol steps in certain places? You know, and then there was the other videos of, I don't know if it was some of the antagonizers or whoever, you know, that were like clashing with the police up front at the barricades, you know, pushing on the barricades and eventually pushing their way through. Um, and then, you know, kind of after all the failures that happened there, they still get a bigger budget to expand their reach by opening offices in Florida and California. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like they're Capitol Police, not another branch of like FBI, NSA, that crap. If we keep allowing this stuff to happen, it, I mean, we already have heard that they, they like the Chinese model, basically to have sur government surveillance on everybody. Cameras everywhere, facial recognition, the whole nine yards. And there's enough people in the deep state part of it, which is a lot of your, uh, you know, FBI, CIA organizations, the bureaucrats of the information side of government. There's enough of them people that would love nothing more than to be able to track everything you do. And then if they get caught doing something dirty, they they can find a fall guy somewhere. Because we still have U.S. citizens in jail, not charged with crimes. Stuart Rhodes, who is named as the mastermind of all the groups that were involved on the January 6th. Uh, still in jail. A lot of other people, I mean, I think there was over 500 other people that had just gone up onto the steps. Charged with all kinds of overcharges, basically. that Because they were there. Didn't do anything, didn't enter the building. But we're still charged with a lot of stuff. And also there was that, uh, oh, I can't remember that one guy, Ray Epps. Somehow disappeared off the FBI's most wanted list from that day. Uh, and most likely was an FBI informant or worked for the FBI, whatever his deal was. But he was also, his Facebook stuff was linked into the Oath Keepers or something like that in... Arizona. So now we've got a January 6th commission that really isn't trying to get to the bottom of any of it. They're a bunch of partisan hacks from the Democrat Party playing political games like they always do. They want to drag this out, I think, as long as they can, destroy anyone who wants to help Donald Trump or help Donald Trump. They're trying to drag Mark Meadows, who which was Trump's... Uh, advisor or whatever he was with them. Uh, he just like, hey, look, you know, I have executive privilege. I don't need to come and testify before you guys. So him and Steve Bannon, I think, because he was one of Trump's early 
uh, campaign managers, I think, or something like that. Um, he's being charged with contempt of Congress for also saying, no, this is bogus commission. I'm not testifying. I don't know what the legal ramifications of being charged with contempt of Congress. Um, but they're trying to do that. So like I said, it's just, just a bunch of partisan hack stuff. I mean, realistically, if they wanted to get to the bottom of something, they should be investigating Fauci and all this other COVID crap that's going on. Because I don't know about you, but uh, I'm tired of the swamp and the no accountability of anyone. I think that's kind of how, it seems to me, that's how a lot of, you know, us just red-blooded Americans feel about the government. There's no accountability to any of them. Nobody gets fired, or if they do, they get, you know, pushed off into a corner office with a view, pushed out of sight so nobody asks any more questions about them. Either stay on the payroll or get rehired somewhere else into some other division somewhere. That's the biggest problem with big government that people don't understand is that the bigger the government gets, the smaller your paychecks coming home are going to be because the more and more personnel there are working for the federal government, even the state government, same thing, get a very large state government, you're going to end up paying more and more in taxes to offset their payroll and then programs they implement. All that stuff comes out of your hard-earned check. Your hard-earned money drives costs of stuff up. It's basically the bigger government gets, the more it's competing with Americans for jobs. I don't know if that makes any sense. But the more and more government is spending, it's competing against your paycheck. You know, this Build Back Better plan. Oh, we got to put up all these multi-million dollar, you know, windmills and solar panels everywhere that we don't get much back out of for the cost. But it's uh, all that stuff, all that government spending. that Which, which kind of irritates me is because all this government spending is basically put on our shoulders to pay back. I mean, you can say, oh, well, the members of Congress got to pay it back too. Really? Think they're going to pay it back? If stuff goes south, how many of them do you think are not going to be comfortable when it all goes down? They've got themselves set up pretty, pretty fat, regardless if they claim that they don't make enough money. At over six figures. So. Smaller government is really what we need. We don't need to expand the Capitol Police. To places they have no business being. They can't even handle taking care of the Capitol. Which is their main job. But we're going to give them a bigger budget. On the back of the taxpayers. To open up two other field offices. On opposite ends of the country. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm getting a little bit ticked off about the way things are going down. 
It's like government just fails up, fails up left and right. And our Congress keeps giving them more and more damn money to keep failing in the direction up. Yeah, I think it was somewhere with our, with our national debt, we're close to $270,000 each individual to pay back our, our current national debt. It's something like that. Every man, woman, and child would have to pay $270,000 to cover the national debt. Every man, woman, and child. And that was just an estimate, so I'm sure it's higher than that now. Thank goodness, so far, Joe Manchin has pushed back and said he's not voting for this stupid Build Back Better plan, which is another multi-trillion dollar spending bill, which is even another irritating thing, is all these, especially the higher-up congressional people, they stick all their pork stuff in there because it makes them look good because they're getting money for their states and their districts, basically buying votes to get them reelected on the on the backs of hardworking Americans. And in my opinion, it's dead wrong. So anyways, I'm going to come back with this last segment of this podcast. Getting kind of lengthy already. Hopefully you haven't lost interest yet. <laughs> so we'll be right back with the my final rant of this podcast. See you in a moment. <laughs> government spending is out of control and people i don't think fully understand that this is your hard-earned money the problem is is we've got to get off our butts and make our voices heard because the ones that are squeaking the loudest are the ones that are getting what they want. The greasy or the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Heard that saying? Yeah, that's pretty much where we are at in our state of politics. So government takes your money. They spend it on programs. Uh, most of the time, it rarely helps out to the extent that it was promised. But then these programs keep getting extended instead of looked at and said, okay, this isn't working. We need to try something else, but stop the funding for it until we figure something else out. They never do that. And you wonder why the budgets keep going up year after year. And the cost of goods keep going up year after year. Yeah, this, you know, that the pandemic, it has caused some other challenges, supply shortages from countries we depend on way too much and people in the government we depend on way too much so it's simple math really and it's no wonders they've pushed common core math on our kids because the less they know or understand the easier it is to convince them that they need more government which is essentially what has happened with people being lazy not want to do the research, not want to look into things, just want to sit back quietly and hope things will just smooth over on their own. That time is over. One plus one is two. 
2 plus 2 is 4, and so on and so on. Basic math, not common core math, that is creating our younger kids to fail the later on in life. Is that, I mean, is that the future we want for America? Not even just America, the rest of the world. We want our kids to be dumber so the government can have more control of them? Basically, treat them, treat them like a bunch of serfs, which is pretty much what a lot of them think we are anyways. You know, they've had these Ivy League educations, and they're so much smarter than us, and they know what's better for us than we know ourselves. And the problem is, is most of us just sit on our hands and let them tell us what to do, and are just fine with that. Because freedom is hard. And it's not free. Government control from the pandemic. We've let them close small businesses while letting these big corporations basically pillage and plunder. Stay open, receiving record profits. We've let them demoralize us by being forced to wear masks, forced or guilted into taking an ineffective vaccine, and in some states requiring vaccine passports to participate in society. I mean, how are these things happening? Are we going to live in a constant state of fear? Perpetuated by our leadership and pushed by the willing media? I'm strongly recommending that if you have Facebook, or especially Twitter, to close your accounts, find alternative outlets. Uh, because they eventually will come for you. Uh, it seems like right now they're just getting the big, the big top players out of the way. Or, or eventually they hope that, you know, they get the big, the big players out, you know, that are telling you truth. We're giving you dissenting information according to them, to what they consider the official narrative. That you'll just kind of forget that all these people have been banned and, you know, you'll just slowly mold into their narrative. Uh, just real quick, you can look this up from the New York Post. Facebook admits the truth. Fact checks are really just lefty opinion. This is an article in the New York Post from December 14th last year. Well, 2021, since that was like a couple days ago. Into the 2021. Um, Facebook finally admitted the truth. The fact checks that social media use to police what Americans read and watch are just opinion. Thanks to a lawsuit brought by celebrated journalist John Stossel, which has exposed the left's supposed battle against misinformation, as a farce. Stossel posted a pair of videos that touched the third rail of liberal politics, climate change. Neither questioned whether climate change is real, but each talked about other issues, namely forest management and using technology to adapt. Yet the third party that Facebook contracts to review these pieces, so that's the, that's the other thing, Facebook pays all of these other so-called fact-checkers to go through everybody's stuff and put a facts check, their their opinion check <laughs> on your post. Um, even memes, even satire, which is the most hilarious of all. Uh, so yet the third party that Facebook contracts to review these pieces, Science Feedback, flagged them as false or our favorite lacking context. <laughs> Why Science Feedback didn't like Stossel's tone 
That is, you can't write anything about climate change unless you say it's the worst disaster in the history of humanity and we must spend trillions to fight it. He's not wrong there. This article is not wrong there. For this, Facebook bans or minimizes Stossel's reporting, depriving him of readers and revenue. Then, when sued, Facebook throws up its hands and says, not our problem. His real beef is with science feedback. You see, we wash our hands of it. As for that, fact check label was slapped on your piece. In Oh, as for that fact check label we slapped on your piece, in Facebook's response to Stossel, it argues, well, that's protected opinion under the First Amendment. <laughs> the Post has faced the same gauntlet too many times. In February 2020, we published a column by Stephen W. Mosier asking if COVID-19 leaked from the Wuhan lab. This was labeled false by Facebook fact checkers. <laughs> of course, those supposed independent scientific reviewers relied on a group of experts who had a vested interest in dismissing that theory, including EcoHealth. Mm, they're a big name in that... Uh, I guess say that special, Glenn Beck special, uh, which had funded the Wuhan lab through RNIH, or grants from the government, our government. Uh, when Twitter fact-checked and blocked the post stories about Hunter Biden's laptop as hacked materials, what was the basis? Nothing. It wasn't hacked. The company staff just wanted an excuse. Guess they didn't like our tone. In both these cases, our fact checks were lifted, but only after it no longer mattered. The fact check industry is funded by liberal moguls such as George Soros, government-funded nonprofits, and the tech giants themselves. The checkers are not the unbiased arbiters of truth. They are useful distractions groups Facebook can use to absolve itself of responsibility. Free speech be damned. Uh, hit it right on the head there with that article. So, like I said, I mean, if we want to be treated like serfs, then we got to keep acting like serfs. I mean, like I say, like with those pushbacks of these COVID lockdown mandates and stuff in these European countries, that's what needs to happen here. Our government needs to understand that they work for us, not the other way around. But the only way they're going to get that message is if enough of us stand up and get it to them. And I'm not saying we all got to protest down in downtown Washington, but just start out small if you have to. Calling your representatives, sending them emails, they eventually get through. It, it does take a while because I've sent emails and you get a response back two or three weeks later. So I'm sure they probably get tons of emails and stuff. But if you're a locally elected officials in your state know where you stand and they get a large number of those versus the smaller minority that's been the ones that have been getting their, their point across, offsetting the people that are just sitting by quietly hoping it'll pass over, they're getting the grease. So, like I said, it's probably time to ditch Twitter, ditch Facebook, 
and bring your stuff over to different platforms. I'm working on that right now. So eventually, if you do follow my Facebook page, The Nelson Show, it will eventually not be there. Uh, I don't have Twitter because I think it's a pretty stupid thing to begin with. Um, Parlor's kind of this this offset to that, which I am on there. I typically just post my link to this podcast. I don't really commentate on anything else on there. Um, but at least it's not a left-wing cesspool, basically, <laughs> which now is just going to ban you if it doesn't. If you're a right winger, they'll, they'll just label you a right winger conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, so they the Facebook banned Trump. Uh, Twitter banned him. They've banned numerous other accounts for talking anything about the 2020 election having issues. Uh, the conspiracies around January 6th. The insurrection depending on who you talk to which was wasn't far from and the lab leak theory can talk about that and the now admitted fake fact checkers <laughs> so i guess to end this all off i would just like to say 2022 is a new year it's a new year to say no more we are free americans we are free to live the American dream. Why are we secondhand citizens to the elite class in D.C.? 2022 is the year we either stand up for freedom and civil liberties or quietly let them fade away. And just know that is what that is was that it was our silence that let that happen. And to end this, I would just like to say. My favorite quote from an old movie called Thunderheart. As the FBI was closing in on him. Sometimes they have to kill us. They have to kill us. Because they can't break our spirit. Thanks for listening to the Nielsen Show. Hope you'll tune in next week with the next edition. And uh hope everybody has a great week. Talk to you then. <laughs>